Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Schwinnie Poo, and this is episode 138. I can't believe we've done 138 of these. Joining me today is my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente. Prez, how are you? You know, I've heard that uh, I'm supposed to be panicking and running around, tearing my hair out because of a... Yet another Knicks loss, dropping our record to a unacceptable several games over 500. So uh, I, I don't know what I'm what I'm supposed to be doing with myself right now. Yeah, look, we're gonna get into how the Knicks are two games behind uh, Miami in a little bit here. But uh, before we get started with uh, with all of that, we are joined by a very special guest. You know her as Caitlin Cooper because that's her name. That's at C2 Cooper on Twitter. Caitlin, what's going on? Hey, I'm back. I, I'm just positive at this point that the Strickland listener base has to be like, why is this person on this podcast so much? <laughs> and yet here I am back again. Uh, our listener base, actually, uh, I can let you know this. After uh, our loss yesterday, we were talking in the Discord with a few of them, and somebody actually asked, oh, is Caitlin Cooper going to be on? And I told them, Maybe. Maybe she will. So the person that asked about you will be happy when this pod drops tomorrow morning. So you're a very in-demand guest, Caitlin. Glad that I have fives of fans. <laughs> you have a growing base within uh, within the Pod Strickland uh, support group. Uh, but, uh, all right, look, let's talk about the Knicks a little bit. Uh, they have dropped two in a row. Weirdly, not even, no, this isn't weird. This isn't weird at all. I... I felt much better about them losing yesterday than I did about them either winning against the Pelicans last Saturday or whatever that nonsense was on Monday against Toronto. Um, Prez, do you agree, disagree? What do you think? Uh, That's a really good way of putting it. Um, Process-wise, I think I totally agree. Like, obviously, I prefer, you know, a win is a win. There's something to be said for that. But in terms of the quality of the play involved, like, we had some wins that were that were just shit shows, <laughs> and this loss was like it was a tough loss, but it wasn't a shit show. It was just like the Knicks could have played better. The other team played a lot better there at the end. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I I also thought that like like I've I've seen so many people like uh, just free oh like Kemba's defense is awful. Randall is out of it, and like I actually do think Randall was out of it in the Pelicans game and the Raptors game for a bit. Like. He was definitely not really like, I don't know, something was going on with him, whatever it is. He had one of those, he had a couple games that were just like, can you not be 2019-20 Randall right now? Can you not do that? And he wasn't that yesterday. Uh, he, he didn't play a perfect game, but he didn't look like disengaged. He wasn't yeah. disengaged from yeah. the game, right? Like, he was into the game. Um, yes, do I wish that he didn't, com- like, people, I saw people that like, oh, well, he's complaining to the refs. Like, he didn't hustle back every single time down. And I'm like, 
yeah, that's true. But like, what what he did yesterday was a lot close. It was it was basically like what he did last year, which is fine. Like, I'm I'm not. I don't know. People have it in their heads that stars like don't do this stuff, and I have never watched a star in the NBA who doesn't do this stuff. Like, who does not complain to the refs and take you know an extra half second to start running back on defense? And I thought yesterday in general he did some really good things. Like, I thought in the first quarter the Knicks were kind of stuck in molasses, and we're going to talk about Kemba because this is Kemba's got to he's got to stop being look the smiling is great but i need him to smile and get the ball up the court and actually take him in at the offensive times um but i thought julius got us out of our doldrums a little bit early in that first quarter like it felt like we were just kind of walking and meandering around and at one point i don't know if you guys i don't i don't know if you guys noticed this but julius just started like grabbing the ball and sprinting up the court as fast as he could um it wasn't always productive but i appreciated it because i was like yes this is like, this is exactly what I want you to do. And this is, like, what the Knicks need to do. Because they were just kind of stuck. Um, I also thought that a lot of the issues they had defensively stemmed from Miles getting off to a super hot start. And as soon as that happened, I thought Mitch, for the rest of the game, was, like, his mind was all over the place. He couldn't really, like, figure out how he wanted to deal with pick and rolls. Um, I, I saw a lot of people talk about, like, oh, well, like, everybody that plays the Pacers, they just have their big guy, defense bonus, and then they have the four, defend Turner. And, like, I appreciate all that. But, like, I think it's way too simplistic to just blame Tibbs for, like, what happened. Def- like, And I didn't think the defense was really that bad. I just think, like, look, Miles made some – I mean, he had one that was, like who, – who, Caitlin, who's your, uh, your uh, color commentator? Is it Hayward Workman? Quinn Buckner. All right, wh- whoever it was, he was, like – there was one he launched from like five feet beyond the arc and he took it and he was like, I don't know about that shot. And then it went and he was like, but he's feeling it tonight. So that's a good shot. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, we'll get into the, the individual, like, I guess, what do you want to call it? Issues or nitpicking or whatever. But like, there's like, yes, Miles shot really well. Justin holiday missed all his threes. So like yeah. on the whole, it wasn't like, some elite three-point barrage like the Knicks were giving other teams early on in the season. That's the reason we lost. And and I would say this. I would say if the Knicks had a problem last night, I thought that they pretty quickly gave up on the three ball, and that was a mistake. That gave them less of a margin for error. Um, I thought it made the Pacers' life on defense a lot easier. I appreciate, like, Julius trying to get to the rim more. I appreciate, like... I, I'm fine like that. This is the that, first time any Nick fan or person or host has come on this pod and said, I appreciate a Nick getting to the rim so yeah. much, but they need to dial it down. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just like, it was also a game where he was like, he, he's had these stretches now where he, you can tell he like is trying to break habits he got into last year where it was like, I got to get into my office and do mid-range stuff. And I'm just like, no, just shoot the fucking three that Evan Fournier is like swinging to you right now when you're open. Just do that. I will say, but they all... I will say in the second half, um, one thing that was like, they didn't solve all the problems. And, and you're right, like, please stop pump faking on open threes, Julius. But like, I think it was the first time in a couple of games that I saw him take his like trademark mid range shots. Like the ones, there was two shots that was always money in the bank for him last year. One is he doesn't do as much because of the new foul rules, but like, the thing where he would sweep up, try to draw the foul, he could shoot it, or he could just like fastball it out to a three-point shooter. Yeah. And then yeah. there's the other one where he posts on the far baseline 
and then does the little fall away. And we hadn't really seen much of either of those. It was just the annoying, like new, like Paul George type ISOs, which are, which are, you know, not all mid range shots are the same. People got hot spots. So like, yeah, like he, 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 I, I, yeah, I thought, I thought yesterday was like, it was, um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a great process, bad results or anything like that. It was like, it was a lot closer to the process I want to see overall. I think if guys had, like, there were some passes Julius made and RJ, like, not even, like, the team collectively, I thought, actually made some really good passes, but then we would just pump fake on threes and do other stuff, and, like, like I just thought we we passed up too many possessions. Uh, there were too many possessions where we just kind of, like, created a good shot and then passed up on it and then... yeah. And had to had to take like a a more difficult shot as a result. And, but like, and credit the Pacers because like one of the things they got going for them on defense is they got a bunch of long boys, right? Like, yeah, I forgot. Right. Like, I it's been a while since I seen Karis Levert, and he's he, like <laughs> maybe it's because he was next to Kemba for a few possessions, and like I was like before this pod earlier today, I was at the park and some teenager wanted to play with me, and he was fine at basketball, but he was still like a tiny teenager. I'm like, this must be how Karis Levert felt. Like, this child might as well not be here when I'm shooting. And, like, it, like Karis would end up running into Mitch, and that's when he ran into trouble. But when it was just Kemba or just Derek, like, he was just shooting over those guys. And this, it goes on defense. Like, even no matter how shaky you are on defense, technique-wise, like, if you're long and trying, like, that's that's not all the battle, but that helps. And you got Brogdon, you got Levert, you got Miles, you got Sabonis, like, Guys were hesitating for the Knicks once they got in their head, like you said. Yeah, and I guess last thing before we actually let Caitlin speak words uh, is I just thought, like, there have been too many games this year where it feels like when the Knicks are up against any adversity, they just, like, become a basket case and they, like, you know, it just kind of like they let go of the rope. And I thought last night they there was, like, potential for them to just mail it in right like you get down 11 nothing early then like you know even at the end of that quarter duarte makes a deep ass three um you're down 14 and it was like i was like oh man like this could get ugly and i i'm not gonna like sit here and sing their praises because they lost by 13 but like it was obviously a closer game than the final score indicates i think is probably fair to say even though the knicks could never kind of, they, they couldn't bridge that gap essentially they couldn't get over the hump but um they, they 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 did fight back on several occasions and like look let's be real they also just shot like shit like they shot poorly and when you shoot poorly it's if the other team like the Pacers weren't on fire they shot reasonably well overall but like that that's really it like you know if the Knicks shoot a little bit better maybe the game outcome is different but like they didn't and you just have to accept that and move on but like if you play with that effort like that's the effort honestly I thought they have been. I mean, look, the I problem was an effort. It was just execution on both yeah. ends. I think I think what you could say is this and the Bulls game are probably the two games where you got the most genuine effort for a full 48 minutes. Because even, like, the Philly game, the second half, they were just, like, they just they were up 20 the entire time. So the defense was kind of like, eh, you know, we don't really need to do anything. Uh, and then in the first game against the Bulls or the Boston, it was just like a very odd game of runs by each team. And then the last three minutes of regulation, Kemba Walker decided to like 
bet on the Celtics to cover or something um, and just throw the game away, but somehow we won that game. Uh, but like, I just thought yesterday was like a very genuine effort for, for the majority of the game from the team, even though uh, a lot of things just didn't go their way. I mean, there was even that weird possession in the fourth quarter where like Lavert literally saw, I don't know what happened exactly, but it looked like he almost threw it at Mitch and Mitch like couldn't grab it. Cause he was like, wait, what? What's happening? And then the ball just went like right back to the Pacers and they scored on it. But, um, you know, sometimes that just happens. But like you play that way, if they can bring that energy now consistently, maybe they had to lose a couple of times games that they should enough to kind of realize like, hey, like we got to snap back into this. But like if you play with that type of effort and energy, generally speaking, uh, good things will happen. And and you look, they obviously still have stuff to clean up, like defensively, especially. But um yeah, I mean, you'll you'll figure it out eventually if that if that's your effort level. Um, but yeah, Caitlin, I don't know, like, what were your thoughts? I guess just watching the Knicks yesterday, and then obviously, you know, and how do Pacers you feel about lost. the? Yeah, because the Pacers have had, I feel like, I mean, you tell us, like, in terms of the difference between their process and their results early on in the year, you know? Yeah. So I mean, you guys just watched the Knicks lose to Toronto. I watched the Pacers lose to them twice, and like the injuries are certainly like that's definitely a factor. The fact that they played a couple games with T.J. McConnell and Brad Wanamaker as their only guards, like they weren't going to beat the Nets. They probably weren't going to beat the Raptors. Karras was on a minutes restriction. He and Brogdon hadn't played together yet, so it was kind of difficult for me to fully assess like what they were. But at the same time, like. Last year when the Pacers played the Raptors, Nick Nurse made it a point like we're going to crowd Sabonis 100% of the time basically and Sabonis had a very bad game. It was probably one of his worst games, like 1 of 10 that he went in there and they were doing very little to mitigate that crowding. And now this year they came out and did the exact same thing like Nick Nurse before the game was like if we have to send three or four people at him, that's what we're going to do. And this is what I would respond to some of the people that were talking about how they guarded, how the Knicks defended Miles and Sabonis last night. Like, that's what the Raptors did, like, not in terms of the center guarding Miles, but, like, there was a possession against the Raptors up in Toronto where Sabonis did not even have the ball. He was on the baseline, and Duarte was trying to enter it to him, and he already had two people on him, and Fred Van Fleet by himself was defending Justin Holiday, TJ McConnell, and Miles Turner. And, like, they were doing nothing to manipulate the spacing at all. So, like, I will say that Tibbs is one of the few people that actually does defend Miles with a center. Typically, that is Sabonis. But it worked. Like, last year, it worked pretty well in that late February game where, again, TJ yeah. McConnell was the starter. They were also able to duck under on TJ, and I think Miles went, like, one of seven from three, and it was basically just, like, Sabonis trying to do hand-to-hand combat with Julius Randle in the post. Like, for like King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, like, it was just him trying to have to out-bully people, and that's what shows the difference last night. Like, it was pretty evident that Thibodeau, like, they tried to run the pitch play with Sabonis where, like, they'll get it up at the top of the key so that he can get to his strong hand with his left, and the Knicks were sitting on that. Like, they already had both guys from the corner in the paint ready for him to come, which I do wish there's a counter that Bjorken used to use that the Pacers aren't currently using, but I don't need to get into that. But the point being is it was pretty evident that they were going to try to take Sabonis out of the paint and that they were going to tag Sabonis and leave Miles open. So I do agree with you that Mitchell Robinson seemed like he just knocked himself off the scent a few times in the third quarter. Like, I have no idea why. He was just, like, hanging out in the lane on the one possession when it seemed like Randall was 
had Brogdon pretty well yes. under control. I clipped that play. Yeah, and I he's just like play. hanging out in the lane while Miles has already made I don't know how many threes. Like that's not great. But like for me when I looked over the box score, like that was way better than the Pacers have been playing and they should feel good about themselves that they've won two games. I thought they played a pretty clean game on defense. But um like you look at the box score, I forget who I told this to today. I'm like if you had told me before that game started that Torrey Craig would take more shots than Sabonis and that Justin Brogdon and Duarte would combine to shoot two of 15 from three and that the Knicks would make more free throws than the Pacers attempted and grab 14 offensive rebounds. I would have thought that the Knicks won that game by like 15 or 20 points. Like, I don't I, know who Torrey got beef with, but he was, he was, he was pulling with confidence and, and like that's what he's been doing i mean he had a career game against the nets like it was like a revelation like i didn't know that this guy could suddenly like make a shot off of a handoff and stop behind it and hit a three but you know he he hit this shot that actually infuriated me yesterday (laughs) he hit this mid-range like this free throw line fadeaway played like they played like a 23 second flawless possession and he made that shot and i just wanted to like like I literally wanted to just like punch myself in the nuts because I was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, like I, I'm, look, I'm just looking at the box score. Like the Knicks took, I mean, like the Knicks, they, they played fine. Like they, they really played fine. They didn't even turn the ball over a bunch. They had ten turnovers. Um, I mean, Miles, like, Miles made more threes than the Knicks, right? Oh. And and I just think, and and the other the other thing too, uh, like some of the Mitch stuff on defense is. I think it's like reasonable that like there was one where I I clipped it, but like he kind of like lets Brogdon get a half step on him and he could do that last year because he was like, not, he didn't weigh 280 pounds. uh, And so he had a quicker recovery time. He could get back and just swap that shit. And you could see he tried to do that yesterday. And then he like, but then he kind of realized like, Oh wait, I I can't do that yet. Um, And I don't think it's just a weight thing. Like, one, he had like he absolutely is getting used to playing at a, a different weight. Like it yes, is I'm... different to play at 280 than it is. I mean, he's probably not 280 more. It's probably like 270, but whatever. It's different to play at 270, 280 than it is to play at 240. Um, I also think that like even adjusting for that, like he's just he didn't do any five on five work until the day before our last preseason game. Um, that was the first time he did any five on five work. So that's basically three weeks ago, I think maybe less. Um, like he's, I, I know people, like people don't want to hear it. Like they're not practicing between games. First of all, like they got the day off today. I know that. Yeah. People are um, like, this is, this is the main way Tibbs cuts down our workload. It's not in the game. It's in between games. Right. And I, and not even just, I'm just saying like, they're not doing practice stuff. Mm-hmm. So like Mitch is basically getting his training camp in right now on the court in regular season games. Um, and and I'll say this: like, I, I, it's both physical and mental. Like, like there, because Mitch is one of the. I, I was talking to you about this uh, in, on Twitter. Like, he wears his face on his sleeve. So, like, when he hesitates for a second, or when he gets when he goes the wrong direction, and then realizes, "Oh shit, I'm supposed to be over here," and then sprints back out. Like, you see him acknowledge his mistake in real time as soon as someone else's shot goes in or whatever. And even when he's like trying to get out to. Um, to miles for those shots like that was the game plan last year was let miles take it but part of the game plan was also like mitch his his speed was superhuman when he was healthy so he can sink to the free throw line or further and still 
contest a lot of the shots. Well, but, like, he was also he can't like, quite there, do that right now. <laughs> it's also like really subtle things that I think will change once he's. I, I, like I said, I think around 15, 20 games, I would expect to see a very different Mitchell Robinson. Um, and it'll just be annoying until then. But like, it's very subtle things where like, there was one drive yesterday where he actually kind of tailed Brogdon pretty well, but like he could have cut off the penetration entirely. Um, and he's not like moving his feet well enough yet to do that. But it's like, like last year, right? If you run that, he can cut off the penetration, but his back isn't to miles so that when the kickout happens, he's just running straight to miles yesterday. Like if he had to do that, Brogdon was kind of like turning the corner already and then he would throw it back over his head. And now Mitch has to like circle around like one step and then run towards miles. Like those little differences make, I mean, they're huge at, at the NBA level, obviously. Um, so like, I'm not really that worried about what I saw last night. And I saw a lot of people like shitting on Kemba's defense and Randall's defense. And like, I just didn't see it last night. Like I've been, I mean, I was super critical of Randall after the Toronto game. I just didn't see that last night. Like I watched that game. What's up? Yeah, I mean, even with Kemba, I didn't have a problem with his defense. He like had a, he had a couple. I, I was just going. Yeah, through. but you're gonna have a couple. Like you're gonna have a couple. That's the that's fucking playing point of attack. Yeah, defense yeah, in the NBA. yeah, yeah. He, he he had a. I don't care about the like the blow buys and like Karis LeVert shooting over him. Like he's not there. I mean, I care about it, but like not this early in the regular season. What what I'm what I'm more interested in is is the lapses. Like there's a couple times where um where and it wasn't just him. It, it just happens to the whole team because it's early on. It's um, rotation stuff. It's rotation stuff. But with him, it's probably a little the learning curve is more because he's newer. So, like, you know, like, of course, he's not going to know the rotations as well as RJ and Mitch. He just got here. So, like, I'm, I'm not it's annoying, but it's not it. There's yeah. levels to to like what I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad about bullshit effort and just like the fuckery that we saw in the other games. I'm not going to be mad if about some Kemba who's taking charges and trying to make the right rotations. He just hasn't quite always nailed it down well, yet. And and the last thing I will say about him, I saw people going at Fournier too. Like I didn't like, I really think like if you all of a sudden put in a healthy Mitchell Robinson, who's like moving well, all of the things that people are like, that's terrible. That's bad defense. That's terrible defense. You wouldn't even notice it. You wouldn't notice it because Mitch would like clean up through Like, I mean, what Brogdon went, I'm just looking at his line right now. He shot uh, six to 12. Um, got to the line five times. Like, I just think like he, like Mitch changes three or four of those drives and maybe, you know, maybe they end up kicking it out. They hit a three. It's not like you, you eliminate the buckets, but Mitchell Robinson changes enough on, on how we play defense that like, I really don't have like, yes, yesterday for me, was just not a night where I'm watching it. And I'm like, fucking Kemba and Evan Fournier just not getting it done. Like, I was just like, I watched that and I was like, yeah, like, look. Uh, it's more just annoying. Yeah, like, what do I wish that they were better defenders? Sure. But, like, I also think once Mitch is back to full speed, assuming Randall is now done being moody and annoying, um, that the defense will be fine. Like, that's, that's what last night kind of just showed to me. It was like, I just needed to see it because it had been, like, a few games where the Knicks were just not even pretending to kill like the, the Pelicans game last Saturday was one of the most infuriating games to watch for me because it was like simultaneously RJ Barrett is doing all of this shit that like we have 
desperately wanted him to be do- like doing offensively. And then on the other end of the court, the Knicks are just like basically sleeping. Like they're they're ba- they're not even like they're just doing cardio. Like as soon as offense ended, they just ran to the other side of the court and like hope that the Pelicans would miss maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just thought I thought there was plenty of decent stuff yesterday that they did. Um, I have a question yeah. for Caitlin. So one reason I was kind of happy about the timing of the Pacers matchup is because there's just so many re- like Randall was in a rut mentally with regards to effort or maybe it's because he wasn't getting enough sleep because he has a little baby or whatever but he gets up for the Pacers last year because him and Sabonis clash with the Titans all the time and then him and Miles worked out last year and I felt like even though they weren't matched up all the time like I felt like that was part of the reason Julius was forcing drives a little bit was like you know there's a little they've practiced together and they're buddies but when it's on the court, you, it's like frenemies, right? And they were like, Randall had the dunk. Randall tried to get another dunk, and Miles sent his shit. So, like, there was definitely uh, between Sabonis and Randall, I mean, Sabonis and Miles, there was a little bit of extra motivation for Julius to play well. And then on the other end, I think, like, I don't, I don't know if Miles has been taking heat checks outside of that 40 point game, but like, once he hit that first three, like that I, three I, was insane by the way i, I felt like I, I felt like i could see him like be like start feeling himself after that like that's right the one, and then the one dribble the, three <laughs> the one dribble three and then the one schwinn mentioned earlier where the announcer was like i don't know about that like he was at first spotting up at the three-point line and then he was like hold on a second and then he stepped back to spot up in like four-point range and that's when i was like oh he knows this is the difference between like, like nobody on the Knicks can contest him if he catches it and shoots it there, and he's confident that he can make it from there right now. And that's when I was like, okay, this is how he feels today. <laughs> right, and, I, and and that's exactly how he played against the Wizards. And I think part of it is exactly what you said. Like, I'm not going to say that, like, I know there was trade rumblings about the Knicks and the Pacers and Miles. I don't know how real any of that really was. That might have been somewhat on his mind as well. But, like, once he saw the first one go in, which I really don't know if I've ever seen Miles, like, do a one dribble three (laughs) off a screen from Sabonis and make that. So, like, that was a revelation. And then, like, I don't know how many times I've talked about how, like, Sabonis bringing the ball up and how, like, I think it's three years running where I'm like, use Miles as a trailer use miles as a trailer like he could be getting one or two of those every single game and like prior coaching staffs were more having him run like rim to rim where i thought like because of how teams defend with you know the first big back protects the basket the second big back typically loads to the ball there's always pockets of space for him to be stepping into those two shot those types of shots if he's confident and he does it and he runs arc to arc so that late one while it might have seemed a little unhinged i was quite pleased over but um, yeah, has he that, been taking trailing threes? Yeah, he's been taking some trailer threes this year. Like, I know yeah, Rick loves that for KP. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, because I wrote that article like I don't know the beginning of last year and, and used Porzingis as an example of like, look, this is how he's getting some of his three point volume in Dallas. I think the Pacers could be doing that. So I think that's valuable, and I think it kind of changes the psychology sometimes of how teams defend when you hit like some of those backbreakers when you're in transition, but. I do wonder how the complexion of that game changes if he doesn't make the first couple, because there's been games this year where if he doesn't make the first couple, he starts record scratching out of them later in the game. Like he doesn't want to shoot anymore. I don't know if he doesn't want to affect his percentage because like, if you take the wizards game, like I hope all this is real because this literally, 
a lot of people in Indiana don't are like, don't talk about his offense. He does so much on defense. It doesn't matter. I'm like, last night is proof of why it matters. <laughs> like, it's totally proof of why it matters. Like, if that's how teams are going to guard Sabonis, how the Raptors and the Knicks just did, he has to be able to hit those shots because it's going to be one of two things. Either it's going to become more of a 50-50 decision between he and Sabonis mm-hmm. and how defenders are going to guard him, or he's just going to be making free points. And that, like, if you watch the Wizards game, that's what a lot of it was, like, they were not guarding him on much of anything, and he was just confidently like, hey, you're not going to guard me, then I'm going to make you pay for this. And that's what it looked like last night. But when he hits the first couple, he starts to get more and more confident as the game gets going because another difference I would say in him that I've noticed this year over last year is, like, if you're in drop and the big is back and then a guard will, like, like a couple times last night, I think there was once where they sent Kemba back on a peel back or it was, like, out of rotation, out of a stunt toward him. There were times where he wouldn't shoot that. Like, even if it was a smaller guy coming back, he was like, oh, I'll pass out of this and it'll be an offensive reset. And and those two games, he was still shooting it, whether that, what like, realizing, like, I'm huge, I can shoot the ball over Kemba Walker, which wasn't always a guarantee, so... But I mean, still, Kemba's got, Kemba's got a wingspan on him. You know? Yeah, but still, like, I mean, outside of those two games, he's made six threes. So I hope that what we're seeing with the confidence is something that sticks because I think that changes a lot of what the Pacers can be and elevates what they can do. But there have been games where he has gotten benched in the fourth quarter where, you know, Goga played over him in the fourth quarter against the Bucks. Like, I don't know. That's why I said if you looked at if I looked at that box score and just saw it and saw what the shot distribution was without knowing how many shots the Pacers made and how some of the rest of it shook out, I'd probably be like, eh, I'm guessing the Pacers probably lost that by double figures. But, you know, if Miles can build on that and keep playing that way, that's, that's pretty big. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wallen. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.